Welcome back to the epitome of suffering that is, the That's Facts Podcast, with Clamp and Cougar. Uh, welcome back to the epitome of suffering that is, the That's Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Cougar, whatever you want to call me, and we are back with another week of suffering. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, some we things are. have happened. Um, we won the Apple Cup, finally. I'm so happy. That was one of the better nights of my existence. I'm very happy about that. You're now 16-year existence. Yeah. I had a birthday yesterday, man. Um, it's been it's been an awesome year with you guys. Um, and in commemoration of that, I just... The reason that it took us so long to get this episode started, I just looked at our Spotify Wrapped numbers, and I am so happy with our growth. We went up 141% in streams. Went up 100% in listeners, went up 62% in hours listened, and went up 58% in followers this year. Wow. So I'm like, that's some really good numbers right there. We posted 20 episodes this year. A little bit of a low number. We'd like to get that up next year. Um, But you guys loved it. And 17 of you guys, this is your most listened to podcast. So I am so very happy about that. And I'm so thankful for all of you guys. It has been an amazing year. Uh, and from all of us here, that's facts. We just are so appreciative of you guys. Thank you. Agreed. Um, with all of that. Um, so a ton has happened. Let's just talk about the Apple Cup. We can, I mean, do we really need to talk about what happened between Oregon and Oregon State? Uh, no, Oregon State just wasn't a good enough team to beat Oregon. No. Um in the Apple Cup, I, it's kind like of the can, same thing. I'd rather preview bowls than review what really happened that week, other than the Apple Cup. We'll talk about the Apple Cup. Yeah, I mean, everything that I kind of talked about that we needed to do, we did well. We ran the ball well. We threw the ball better than anyone against Washington this season. Um, Donovan Ali and Dejan Stribling had really good games against two of Washington or two of the best corners in the conference. Um, and so I'm very happy about that. I mean, Washington State just played a nearly flawless game. There was a couple times where we settled for field goals, and I would have liked to get in the end zone. But, you know, a win is a win. 40-13, to 13, I I was pretty close in my prediction, which was kind of ignorant. But, um, I mean, we finally did it, man. And as a byproduct of that, Jake Dickard took home the head coaching job at Washington State. Another move I'm very happy with. And Washington State finishes six and three in the conference, second in the North with a seven and five record. This season ultimately was a great success for the Cougs. Yep. And quite the opposite for the Huskies. Quite um, the opposite. Absolutely nothing that we needed to do well to have a chance to win this game. We did well. Um we averaged less than a yard to carry um, running the ball. I thought we threw the ball okay, other than throw, when we threw it to your team. Um, the other attempts that were not intercepted were 17 of 27 for 190 yards and a touchdown. I'll live with that. Mm. Um, and I'll also live with the mistakes from a freshman, especially considering, and we'll get to this, the fact that we're not thinking he's the starter next year after all. Um, right. And giving him a lot more time. Um, Romo Dunze made a one-handed touchdown catch and a 55-yard catch down the sideline. Um, those were both really nice plays. Um, but he also had five drops in the game. 
And that's five of that um, 17 of 27 that I talked about. So really that could have been 22 of 27 other than the picks. So those are pretty important drops. Uh, this game could have been close uh, because Washington State let us hang in for a while. Uh, but mm-hmm. we were not well enough prepared by what staff we had left. Uh I love Junior Adams. I think he's the best. He was the best coach on last year's staff, but not to be an offensive coordinator. Right. He, he doesn't have those type of. He doesn't have that type of level of expertise to call plays in a game against a team that's just so good at creating turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington State didn't really live in the backfield that much. I actually thought Sam was well protected most of the game. As far as I can remember, yeah, I think only got sacked one once. sack. Oh. A combined sack with Brendan Jackson and Quinn Raw later yes. in the game. So other than that, I really thought uh, the protection held up. A lot of guys played for Washington, uh, including true freshman Devon Banks, who got redshirted this year. I'm actually really excited for his future. Um, he had a tackle. He didn't do much, but... He got out there um, nice. because he was a guy that Jimmy Lake, I thought Jimmy Lake did a great job getting him. I remember talking about him on the podcast earlier and yeah. I was, it was cool to see him out there. This is probably the end of Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. I just wanted to let it out, let it out there right now that those two are very excellent players and they we'll unfortunately did go out probably on both of their worst games of the season, but yeah, throughout the year and i gotta say there was a little bit of giving up by washington Um, and not not giving up on trying to win the game or trying to make plays but just i don't know it just didn't seem like there was any hope to win the game (laughs) there wasn't i mean there wasn't very much going in and it showed. It really did throughout the game. Uh, Carson Bruner was really good. He had 11 tackles. No, there's not too much positive to take away from a game you lose 40 to 13 to a team you're supposed to beat every year, and it isn't acceptable. And that's part of the reason why, uh, like this level of football, is not acceptable. And that's the reason why most of the staff that was coaching that team. And a lot of those players are going to be gone because this isn't the standard we're trying to hold. Um, And I do feel that for these seniors, that this is the year they're going out on, on four and eight, not a good conference record, three and six started off good. Um, We were one and oh and up seven in the fourth quarter on Oregon state. Like conference play was starting to look okay for a little bit there, but um it just it, it nothing really turned out it, the way it was supposed to this year at all. We were supposed to win nine, ten games, at least at least seven. At least at least get to a bowl. Right, at least seven, and at least beat WSU handily. That was that was the thought. Um, not even close. Um, polar opposite. Yeah, I mean, got. Got, got killed in this game, uh, lost to Colorado, lost to Montana, just – and that really started it. Yeah. Obviously, it's a, of course it's going to start it. It's the first game of the season, but 
when you lose to Montana, that just that ended the the um, program kind of at, ran by Jimmy Lake. Yeah, it kind of ended that era for Washington between the CP era and the Jimmy Lake era. Like that was it. Like, the yeah, Montana was like, game was kind okay, of the culmination of everything that's gone wrong. Here. Right, you just looked at it. And Jimmy almost Jimmy was pretty close to getting this thing on track if he could have just beat UCLA and Oregon State in those very, very winnable situations. We had we have no excuse to have lost that UCLA or Oregon State game. But we managed to lose both of those games and win those and you're bowl eligible, even if everything else happens the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm a little worried about my Sun Devils as well. I'll talk about them a little bit because we're not going to really talk about them much with how much has happened. Um, they almost lost to this Bob Gregory Junior Adams team. Um, like Colorado, I expect to beat us by three with Bob Gregory leading the team because Colorado sucks. Um, I, I think Bob Gregory co- head coaching our team takes us to about Colorado level. That was a 50-50 game. But ASU, what the hell? Yeah. Why did ASU almost lose to us? At all. Uh, so ASU, I mean, I'm a little concerned about Herm Edwards, man. Because uh, he's going to get another year, it looks like. And deservingly so. They won eight games. You can't be – and we, we see now how good Utah really is. So to come second to them isn't exactly an embarrassment. Yeah. But – Maybe the way that the rest of your season went outside of that game, disappointing. But, I mean, yeah, it could be worse. Sure. Um, and we'll get to ASU a little bit on their when we talk their bowl game. Are you done with the Apple Cup? Because I'm about done with the Apple Cup. I am ready um, to move away from that game. I'm done with it for this episode. I'm, I'm not done with it in general. Oh. Gonna talk about it again? Well, we we definitely are gonna talk about it again. But yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we? Obviously. I mean, I mean, as little as possible would be nice. Yeah. All right. Moving ahead. Washington hired a new coach as well. Yeah, they got yeah. Kalen DeBoer out of Fresno State. He just led them to a what nine and three season. I think that's Indeed. right. And Kalen um, DeBoer. Obviously, I've done just about it. I've watched every Fresno State game highlights already. Um, Kalen DeBoer is a 47-year-old coach. Um, who 47 up, running on 70. Who came up as a receiver for Sioux Falls and then immediately became their wide receivers coach the year after he graduated college. Uh, so... He was seen as a great football mind um, from the start. And he had their offensive coordinator job four years after graduating college and was their head coach nine years after graduating college as a player. Um, I think I find that very impressive, even if it is Sioux Falls. We don't really know much about that school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a that's amazing way to that, – that's just – it just shows how well thought of he was as a player and that, and then as a coach. Right. Um, and he led Sioux Falls to a 67-3 and record. He didn't do a lot of losing at Sioux Falls. No, uh, doesn't sound like it. 
then he doesn't head coach a football. So apparently somebody, one of his advisors, one of the lead dogs at Sioux Falls, uh, Kalen DeBoer went to go try and get an extension. And one of the leaders there, and I don't know if this story is true, told him, get the hell out of here. Because he thought Kalen DeBoer was way too good at coaching football. To be at Sioux Falls. Oh, that's so, smart. So that advisor said, "I'm not going to. I'm. I will fire you if I have to." That's what he told Kalen DeBoer. So that he would go and coach Group of Five FBS football. My type of advisor. Um, and that's exactly what Kalen DeBoer did. He went to Southern Illinois, which actually might be FCS. I'm not sure. They are FCS, the Salukis. The Salukis. So, yeah, but he does go up a level from the NAIA. Mm-hmm. Um, and he OC'd and wide receiver coached for Southern Illinois. Then he OC and QB'd coached for Eastern Michigan. Uh, and then his big break was Jeff Tedford and Fresno State hiring him as, him as the OC QB's coach um, from 2017 to 2018. Um and we'll get to another coach that was on that staff very soon, but Kalen DeBoer was was there. Then he had a random year in Indiana, 2019. Actually, pretty good Indiana offense that year. Um, he was the OC of that team. I think Peyton Ramsey was that QB, and yeah, I thought that year went pretty well as far as I remember, 2019 Indiana. They lost to Tennessee in – what bowl was it? The uh, Tax Slayer Bowl. Something like that, yeah. And then he got the head coaching gig at Fresno as soon as Jeff Tedford left. Uh, COVID year went 3-3. Three and three. Well, you can decide how much stock to put into that. Um, I don't think you put any stock into a losing COVID year. Yeah. Only if you um, lose. If you win, I think it matters. But if you lose, uh... So, uh, Fresno also did, and this is his first, and it's his first year as a head coach, too. That's got to suck. Uh-huh. Um Fresno had a major COVID issue. They started the year three and one, beat Utah State pretty good. They lost to Hawaii. Now, here's an interesting thing: Kalen DeBoer as a head coach is zero and two against Hawaii. Damn. Um, but he's beaten everyone else down in the Mountain West, and Hawaii's been one of the more mediocre teams. I'm telling you, it's the Todd Graham effect, bro. There's got to be something. Um. But yeah, he beat. Then he beat down CSU, UNLV, and Utah State. Um, Those two teams were terrible last year. They were. They were all bad teams. And then Fresno had a COVID issue. They lose their game. They don't get to play San Jose or San Diego State. Um, and then they come back with uh, a fifty-person attendance and lose to Nevada. And then with 250 in attendance, they lo- lo- they lo- remember that big upset for New Mexico State winning that one ga- their one game of the season. Oh, that was that was Fresno State. That was Fresno State, and yeah. um, again they didn't have any players, but they scored 39 points. <laughs> Come on, defense. Yeah, hopefully, uh, and we're not getting that defensive coordinator. It doesn't sound like, even I'm though good. I like him. He lost to, 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 to New Mexico State. Yeah, no he pretty much lost them the game. <laughs> okay, so 2021 comes. Here's Fresno's season. 
beat UConn 45 to zero. I mean, it's UConn. I'm not putting anything into that. That was but here's something I will put a little something in. They he took Fresno State to Autzen and gave Oregon all they could handle. They did do that. Uh, they were up 24-21, and Jake Hayner ran with the football, had a first down, and just fumbled it. Um, very similarly to something else me and you saw tonight. Um, but we'll move on from that. Uh, then they lost. To, then they got to number 18 in the country and lost to Hawaii again. <laughs> Hayner had four interceptions in that game. Um, inter- that's so interesting. Uh, why? Why? I mean, I don't know. Are they, like, afraid of Hawaii? I don't know. And Fresno, it seemed, was, like, allergic to getting ranked all season. Because yeah. then they became number 23 after kind of beating beating up on San Diego State. I watched that game, and I didn't expect them to play that well. They, they gave San Diego State the business. And then they go home and lose to Boise State by 26? Yeah, they got rocked. Uh, Boise is a very talented football team with a very mediocre head coach, in my opinion. I am not an Andy Avalos guy. Um, but he had his team ready to play that night. And that's a good team in Boise when they're playing correctly. Um, but I'm still not... I'm still not overly impressed with how Kalen DeBoer's team came out. But last two games, uh, beat New Mexico 34-7 and beat San Jose State 40-9. They did not get their rematch game with New Mexico State. Oh, man. Maybe one day. Oh, no, it was New Mexico that beat them, not State. Oh, oh. So they did get their revenge game. They beat them by uh, a lot, which makes a lot more sense than what happened last year. Great. Um. And San Jose State, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about what Brent Brennan's team did this year. That was pretty sad. So weird. Uh, so how does this all translate to Washington? What I've noticed is Kalen DeBoer's teams, they pull out a lot of the close ones against teams they're supposed to lose to, and then they'll just go and get killed by a team they're supposed to beat. Um now that doesn't always translate to the next level. There's a lot of differences between Washington's schedules and Fresno State's schedules and all that. Uh, yeah. But De- I would say I would say DeBoer has a pretty impressive track record. I am pretty I think this is a pretty solid resume to go into your first Power 5 head coaching job with. I'd say this is actually about as good as it gets going into your first job. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, you, you, I can't ask for him to have too much more success at the lower levels. But that doesn't change the fact that he is a first-time Power 5 head coach. Mm-hmm. And he brings over offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who has pretty much followed him everywhere, um, from Sioux Falls to Eastern Michigan to Fresno. Uh, he was at Fresno without... DeBoer in 2019 when DeBoer went to Indiana for that little weird year. Um, But yeah, uh, Ryan Grubb has been with him for a long time and now he is going to be uh, a very important piece of the Washington coaching staff. Uh, Grubb is 
Again, I mean, he. I'm not even going to go through everything that he's done because it's just Kalen DeBoer's career repeated. <laughs> he's been following him all those years. So we'll just move on to Courtney Morgan, who Michigan – I'll just say this. Michigan fans are very upset to lose Courtney Morgan. Um, he's the type of guy that brings energy to a program, the type of guy that – knows how to recruit players to play for your program. And as a director of player personnel, he knows which players to go get. That's basically what they do. They tell the coach, let's go get this guy. Mm -hmm. And obviously Michigan was super impressed with everything he did. Uh, Michigan fans are not happy to lose him. And... A lot of them are talking about how they killed Washington in the season, and it's like, why would you go there? Well, he has a little bit of experience. He was with at Fresno with Kalen DeBoer, and DeBoer went and got him. I, I'm pretty impressed with getting him, a Michigan alum, to come off Michigan staff to come work for us. Right. I thought that was a great get. And as of now, there is just a lot of noise with the rest of the coaching staff. Will it be Dante Williams? That would be something for recruiting. Will it be Orlando? I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Steinier, who I am like extremely high on. He's a head coach in professional football right now, CFL, but that's a lot of college all-stars in CFL. Yeah. That's good football that he's coaching, head coaching. And he's had the number one defense in the CFL for years. This, to me, would be a home run to come be a college defensive coordinator. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm overthinking that, but I don't think I am. I think that would be a great hire. We'll, we'll see what happens, though. I'm not going to over-talk about someone that's not hired yet. So, yeah, that's what we have on that. And let's go south and talk about... Mario Cristobal, he's in the real world. He sure is. I mean, how about the news cycles revolving the Pac-12? I don't know if we've had an episode since, but Lincoln Riley came to the Pac-12. We have. We have. Well, well, there's that. Um, So (laughs) anything that's been plaguing USC over the last few years, it's been pretty destined to go away soon. I think the people are a little overreactionary. To that higher, I think I think he'll be great, and I think he'll turn this program around and back into a contender. But um, I mean, they're not going to run the back twelve. I don't think that there's any chance of that. But they're recruiting man right now. It is in great shape. They're going to be very solid, and they're going to make this conference a lot better than it's been recently. But uh, yeah, Mario Cristobal left for Miami. This has been one of the craziest coaching cycles in college football history, and probably the craziest of all time. And it's heavily involved with the Pac-12, two of the biggest names in the country, either coming to or leaving the conference. And Mario Cristobal is going to Miami. The situation was really weird. It was something that had kind of been bubbling, but like nothing serious. Yeah. But then it really blew up the Friday of the conference championship in which Utah got run, or excuse me, Oregon got run by 30. Um, but my Utah Utes, great call by me, by the way. Um, yeah, you would have been wrong if Mario wasn't leaving. <laughs> so... There's rumors that he would be taking that job, and, and, like, Miami was targeting Clemson's 
athletic director at the time, and they and there was kind of going to be like a partner deal, right? You hire the new AD, and they bring in this elite head coach. Um, of course, Oregon goes out there and loses by thirty-five in the post, or no, twenty-eight in the post-game press conference. Mario was asked about the situation. He was like really upset about it. Like he shut it down. He was like, "Oregon's got some things coming for me. I I'm here to stay." And then over the coming days, um, there was a team meeting late Saturday night. Um, I'm not sure what was said there, but Sunday morning, um, they had another team meeting where he told his guys that he would be taking the Miami job. Manny Diaz was fired. I mean, it was almost in reverse chronological order, right? Like Mario tells Mario tells his guys he's leaving. Then Miami's coach is finally fired. Then Mario's hired, and then the you know I got a feel for um. Manny Diaz. I feel terrible for him because he was recruiting for Miami actively as these rumors were going on. And he still had that coaching job. Like, he was still the guy. Um, yeah. It's a really odd situation, truthfully. I think Miami didn't handle, handle it well at all. Not at all. Because um, they didn't I don't even think have, Mario did either. Um, I mean, because Miami didn't have their AD at the time they were actively trying to hire <laughs> Mario. Yeah, both. I mean, both schools really botched this situation. But how about the instant recruiting hit Oregon took? Yeah, Tanner Bailey, T.J. Dudley, Kelvin Banks, all out of state, big time players. Especially Banks. Banks is top fifteen in the country. Um, he is legit as it comes, and he just immediately decommits. And Mario is pushing him to Miami. Um, and Alex Maribal was found at Miami's press conference wearing Miami gear. So, and that's their offensive Oregon's offensive line coach. So you, you see where that's going. Um, and I expect these decommits. I think a lot of the players on Oregon are like, I want to play the bowl game, then hit the portal. Um, so we're going to see a lot of portal after the, bowl game and a lot of them want to play for the interim head coach what's his name mcclendon i'm blanking on his first name they call him b mac (laughs) brian mcclendon there you go i I think that's correct that sounds right and yeah uh they love brian mcclendon down there at oregon he's the receivers coach they're actually clamoring for him to be the next head coach of the team. The players are, at least. Um, I guarantee he won't be. Yeah, he definitely won't be. But, but I hope he stays around for the players' sake. Yeah, I mean, especially their wide receivers. Yeah. Um, but the decommits aren't over yet. Jaleel Tucker and Jaleel Florence who are both named Jaleel and will only stay for the same <laughs> school, um, are both visiting USC together soon. And I, with Lincoln Riley being there, with all the energy upward for USC and all the energy backwards for Oregon, I can only feel the Jaleels will be Trojans. The Jaleels. <laughs> yeah. Um and here comes Washington because a top 200 player in the country, a four-star, Dave Iuli Dave. from Puyallup, Washington, grew up a Husky fan. Jimmy Lake ignored the hell out of him while he was a recruit. Um, 
Jimmy Lake basically dropped him for Mark Nabu, who he then dropped because he took a visit. God, that, that's so much more ridiculous saying it out loud. Oh, my God. Uh, he, he drops a four-star, who we needed anyways, even if we got Nabu, for Nabu, and then drops Nabu <laughs> because he took a visit. Jimmy you know, no fun, fun like at its finest, bro. Uh, but we'll see if this new staff, uh, and we don't have a new O-line coach yet, we'll see if they make a push for Iuli. Because he's an O-lineman, they're losing their O-line coach. Only seems to make sense. Right. Uh, which I'm happy about. Oregon's falling apart. That's the play. Uh, do I still think they'll have a good program? Yes, they will. I promise Oregon will still have a good program next season. And if they make the, make a decent hire, I think they'll continue to have good seasons yep Uh, but it has to be i think it has to be almost a home run higher for things to continue at the trajectory that they're going because mario had that program i mean is is much as they ultimately failed he had them in a really good spot so i think they have to make the like a near perfect hire to get where they really want to be uh they're kicking the tires on Lane Kiffin, it sounds like. I don't think that happens. Me neither. He just got that extension, but he's apparently interested. According to Matt Prem of Oregon site, who yeah. has been missing all week. He said Mario was staying. He's so oh, so he's just, he's... Uh Justin Wilcox is going to get a lot of interest from Oregon. He's an alum. He's they think he's a good coach. That would not be a home run hire. That would almost no. be a uh, – that's like a – that's a ground out. It's a ground out. <laughs> uh, I would say Kalani Sataki is a double or a triple. For sure. Um, and Chip Kelly I think would be a bunt. A bunt. <laughs> uh, a bunt. Right off a of home plate. And <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even get out of the bat as well. No, I'd say it's a decent bunt. <laughs> um. And no, Lane, but Lane would be a home run. Lane would be out the ballpark. I just, I don't see it. Uh, uh, he sure would be. He'd be a grand slam. But I just, I mean, I don't see it happening because I don't think he leaves Ole Miss. Not right now, at least. Maybe eventually. Definitely eventually. I don't think he, like, retires at Ole Miss. Um, I mean, coaching... If this cycle has taught me anything about coaches, you are not assured to have a coach anywhere for like more than two years. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you aren't assured much of anything anymore. So I'm excited to see. Oh, it sounds like goes. all of Oregon's Texas guys, Cameron Williams, Landon Holaby, uh, Texas commits are going to be gone very soon. Uh, J- and the Jaleels, of course, will be will be uh, very very gone. By the way, Fresno State's about to hire Jeff Tedford. Like, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed now. Oh, there you go. So the Dante Williams to Fresno head coaching job idea out the window. Yeah. Which he did interview for the job. That is confirmed. He did interview for the Fresno job. Good for him. Uh, but I don't did think not he's ready get for a head coaching I job. I guarantee you he did not get offered it with Tedford. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just I don't think he's ready for head coaching job yet. I think eventually he'll be a pretty good one. Uh, he recruits well. I think yeah. guys like him. So he's got people are saying, how does Tedford impact Jake Hayner? Jake Hayner never played for Tedford. Never played for Tedford, no. No, he did not. Okay, good, 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 good. We're still on track. I had to think about that a little bit. No, he didn't. Because Tedford... Because he did commit to Jed Te- Jeff Tedford. Yeah, because Tedford retired after 2019. Yeah, which is when Hayner did leave because we started Easton, but... Yeah, yeah. so... I wouldn't be concerned about that. Jake I am worried about how many more dog. Fresno assistants we can get. Depends on how many were around for long enough to be with yeah. Tedford. A lot of them are Tedford guys. Yeah. Because uh, Kalen DeBoer just kept those guys. Right. So we'll see. We'll see who wants to take the step, though. To If, those guys, if, if a guy doesn't feel comfortable coming to Power 5, I do not want them. Yeah. Because this is a step up. Um. So, as we were talking about earlier, Jake Dicker got the head coaching job at Washington State. I'm happy about it. I love Jake. Uh, but something that me and you discussed as a concern for him was what connections did he have to be able to fill out a staff? I think he's done a fantastic job so far. He was able to reel in for defensive coordinator of the team, Brian Ward. He was defensive coordinator at Nevada. Um, offensive coordinator, we brought in uh, Eric Morris. He was head coach at Incarnate Word. He led them to their best season in school history this year. Um, and he was an offensive coordinator at Texas Tech from 2014 to 17 under Cliff Kingsbury. Therefore, he's going to bring back a high octane air raid style offense. Um, and we brought in USC's um, offensive line coach. I can't think of his name right now. Some McGuire. Clay McGuire, he used to coach at Washington State with Mike Leach. So did Eric Morris. So um, Jake has really done a fantastic job. Of, even though he might not have the best connections, he's done a fantastic job making a staff of guys that have been in Pullman and that want to be in Pullman. And that is like a massive part of being able to build a, a, a successful team. It's have guys that want to be there. Um, and I think Jake Dickerson did a fantastic job of that in his first couple of weeks as head coach. Right. I was. I saw the Morris hire. I've know. I've known who he was for a little while. Uh, he's been one of the hottest. I mean, everyone wants to run an air raid, right? Because yeah. a successful air raid is probably the most entertaining, and it's one of the most effective ways to be able to beat anyone any day. Because. Like, Washington State probably led the nation in upsets when they had the air raid. Yeah. Uh, Because it gives you a shot. I mean, it also gives you a shot to get blown out every game because, I mean, just look at the Ross Bowers game. Or whatever that guy from Cal was named. He ended up transferring to Northern Illinois. He ended up hurdling somebody in Utah in a game. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. But, yeah, um... Ross Powers. <laughs> yeah, so the air raid gives you a shot to win or lose any game you play, depending on how the other team plays it. But it's very hard to predict, even though yeah. it's the same. I mean, it, it wasn't hard for Jimmy Lake to predict. For some reason, he really had it down. I can't even I can't even explain it. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he sure didn't seem to have anything else down. But sure knew how to stop that. that air raid, though. He did. 
uh, as a D coordinator. We, we had good years, man. We had good years. Um, so Jake Dickert was the lead recruiter for Tariq Al Akuda. Um, you're close. You're trying. You're trying. You're trying. Do you know how to say it? No, South, South. I just know him as South, uh, Southern Californian linebacker. Yeah, Tariq. Um, Jake Dicker was his primary recruiter. Uh, USC really tried. They really, really tried to get him. Um, but he's not leaving. He's going to stay WSU. Yeah, he seemed very excited when Jake got the job. So, uh, so did a few other people that I know, but uh, they don't seem as excited. So, I don't know person. what Adrian Lara is going to do. I mean, you think he should stay, but who from the offensive staff is still there? That's true. I mean, I mean, it depends, though. He. I think we're gonna. Did. I think we're gonna bring back Andre Allen, wide receivers coach. Oh yeah, you definitely should. For what that's worth, he's done a great job recruiting. Yeah, and having the guys playing. He's well. a big Texas yeah, he's a big Texas recruiting guy. He brought in Donovan Ali. That's huge. I love Donovan Ali. And he's yeah, like you said, he's coaches them very well. We have really good wide receivers. Yeah. I mean Speaking of very good wide receivers, I think this is a about as good as we're gonna give her a transition into the all pack twelve teams. Oh yeah, it sure is. Um offensive player of the year. Drake London, he deserved it. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to clamor for anybody else. It should have been his award. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, Devin Lloyd, absolutely. Um, freshman Offensive Player of the Year, Jaden Delora. There was people were arguing that he's not a freshman and that he shouldn't get this award. He literally is by NCAA rule. Jaden Delora is a redshirt freshman. He, this, I mean, he was the best redshirt freshman in this conference. Like this was his award, and he won it. So freshman Offensive Player of the Year. Um, Jim Delora, freshman defensive player of the year, Junior Tafua, uh, Tafuna out of Utah. He had a very good season. He was a part of their really good defense that uh, beat the hell out of Oregon two times in three weeks. Um, and then coach of the year, my dog, Kyle Whittingham. As I told you when we first started this podcast, the best coach in the Pac-12, um, rings it home as a guy who's sending his team to the Pac-12 championship. No, to the Rose Bowl now. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, that's what I meant to say. God, I blew that. That was yeah. awful. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, all conference teams, I'm not happy about them. I'm very sad about them. I am almost willing to uh, cry about them, David Shaw. Um, all packed oh, first team. All packed up first team. Cam Rising quarterback. I'm cool with that. I mean, he. He turned Utah's season around, and he is a strong part as to why they're going to uh, Pasadena on January 1. Um, running back B.J. Baylor, I agree with that one. Uh, running back two on the first team is Tavian Thomas. I don't – I mean, that, that's cool. I'm not going to – I like Tavian Thomas a lot. Um, he, along with Cam Rising, another one of those guys that came along and turned their season around. Um Wide receiver, Drake London, cool. Uh, but the second wide receiver on the conf- conference first team, Kyle Phillips. Kyle Phillips had a fantastic year. He did. I am not going to in any way diminish the season that Kyle Phillips had. Um, 
But the fact that neither Calvin Jackson Jr. or Travell Harris were on the first team is a joke. That is laughable. I mean, that is so unbelievably bad. Calvin Jackson Jr. almost had 1,000 receiving yards on 63 receptions and seven touchdowns. Kyle Phillips had 300 yards less than that. As an all-purpose player, I would argue for Kyle Phillips, sure. But, I mean, this is a sheerly wide receiver award. And neither Washington State stalwart got first team. So, I don't I don't understand that. Travell Harris had 200 more yards than the man he had nine touchdowns. I, just, I mean, I really don't understand the logic for having Kyle Phillips first team. Yeah, honestly. So, full picture, Phillips did have the most touchdowns, I guess, is what they're going with. I just, I mean, I don't He was a clear number one on his team. He convert. WSU passes a lot more than UCLA does. But. Sure. But, I mean, by that logic. I mean, I'm just trying to think of why. Yeah, I mean, because there has to be something. I mean, by that logic, shouldn't DTR and Zach Charbonnet be first team? I mean, if we, I mean, if we're going to accompany those teams, I mean, I don't know. Because no, Greg Dolchitz is also no. first-team tight end, so, I mean. I yeah, know. I think it's because those guys catch the ball, and then DTR and Zach Charbonnet. I don't know, because I would have I would have argued – I mean, I would argue Thomas over Charbonnet, but Charbonnet had a good season. I just feel like first the reason Kyle Thomas. Phillips is there is because he probably had a lot less targets than both WSU players. Which yeah. I don't know if it makes any sense. I'm I think it's the reason though, not the not an explanation, just a reason. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's just not very good. Um anyway, rest of the team. A Blue just got first team. Um, Nick Ford of Utah got first team offensive line. Sean Ryan of UCLA first team. Uh, Nathan Etheridge, Eldridge, excuse me, Oregon State first team. And then Jackson Kirkland from Washington. And uh, TJ Bass Jr. from Oregon. First yeah, team glad line. both OTs from UW and WSU made it. Kirkland was the only guy on the O-line that really consistently brought it. Uh, we had a tough year on the O-line. Uh, I had a problem with. Um, oh, never mind. I thought Luke Wattenberg got named second team. He did not. Okay, I don't have a problem then. There you yeah, go. I, because Luke Wattenberg was not good this year. He was very unfortunately bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, defense. So I'll read yeah. off the defense because I want to talk more. Um, yes. So we've got Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, sophomore out of Oregon. He's going to be the first pick in the draft. We know what he brings. Mika will be the second because pe- people are falling in love with Aiden Hutchinson. Kayvon's a better player, though. Kayvon's potential will put him over Aiden Hutchinson, 10 NFL scouts, in my opinion. Uh, I guess so. Then Mika Tafua, Tuli Tui Pulotu. Brandon Dorless, those three are all great run stoppers. I love watching all three of these guys play. Um, very, very watchable players. Uh, Ron yep. Stone Jr., he was very good for Washington State this year. But I was surprised Ooh. they even put him on the team. I was surprised they put him on the team just because all Pac-12 
commonly will put name over uh, substance. So I would have expected a guy like Thomas Booker to get that spot. Yeah, especially over a Washington State defender. I'm really glad that they gave it to Ron Stone. He definitely deserved it. And then, of course, Tyler Johnson, who was just great for ASU this year. I think he's probably the second best name of these D linemen. Um, Yeah, Tyler Johnson was awesome this year. Uh, and he is not even ASU's best. Lole's coming back, though, next year. God, they're going to make me pick them again. No, I'm kidding. I'm not picking ASU next year. Uh, Devin Lloyd, Noah Sewell, and Avery Roberts all made it. That is fantastic. Wonderful. That is a great job by the voting committee, not putting an outside linebacker when these three all clearly deserve their spot. Mm-hmm. Uh all phenomenal yes jihad woods is left a little bit behind because he's a great player but but these three are just on a different level uh noah sewell uh i won't say anything yet uh trent mcduffie a sophomore out of washington kyler gordon sophomore out of washington unfortunately their sophomore seasons will be the end of their washington career you know what i'll say uh noah sewell there's some smoke of him to utah that would be horrifying. That would be horrific. That would be horrific. So I mean, let's go. No more Devin Lloyd in the South. And then it's Noah Sewell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Noah man. Sewell is so good at reviving, he literally revives Devin Lloyd. <laughs> That's his best straight. Um, now, now he's going to be head way, coach at Oregon, too. Here's an interesting thing. Utah opens their season next year at Billy Napier's Florida Gators. That'll be really fun. How yep. Whittingham versus Billy Napier. Yep, yep, yep. That's a great game. I can make I a think, joke right I, now. I, 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 bet I, Utah, I think Utah's going to go in there and beat them. I think they're going to beat the hell out of Florida, honestly. I, I mean, think it they're going to walk them. It depends on how I feel at that time. But as of now, I think Utah's really – but the thing is, Utah does start season slow often. They do, but I think the difference between this team is they're going to have their core because Cam Isaac is going to be back. Caitlin Thomas is going to be back. I think Brad Keithy is going to be back, I think. Utah may come in like – Utah may be top 10 by the time they're done with non-conference play if they win all these games. Very well. Could be. We could be looking at Utah doing what Oregon said they were doing, run the pack. Yeah. When all Oregon did was win one Pac-12 championship and then the COVID year? Yes. Like running the Pac to me. Anyway. Uh, it's got Verone McKinley and Elijah Hicks round out the safeties for the uh, – Verone for Thorpe, by the way. I think he's the best DB in the country this year. He's really good. Um, all offensive second team. DTR first team. Or excuse me, second team. All quarterback. I mean <laughs> – Shout out to DTR, man. All all that we talked about DTR, for him to get an all-factor of notoriety is so symbolic of of the things we do around here. Zach Charbonnet, uh, Sean White. Um, I'm a little uh, weird about Travis Dye not being on either of these teams, but I mean, I I get it, I guess. Um, Sean White, Calvin Jackson Jr., Trevor Harris, wide receiver, Tiger and Brant Keithy, uh, offensive line. Uh, Madeli Olusane out of Utah. I think I, I tried. Uh, Braden Daniels out of Utah. Kellen Dyche out of Arizona State. Um, Alex Forsyth out of Oregon. And Donovan West out of Arizona State. 
Okay, I see two blatant lies right here. Um, Arizona State should not have any all Pac-12 offensive linemen. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, I guess West was okay, but God, Jaden Daniels runs for his life every week. So I mean, what what is this great apparently offensive line doing? <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's just those two guys. I guess so. No one else comes to games. <laughs> Jeez. Um. A second team defense, Kion Bars for Arizona, Thomas Wait, Booker. What's up? Do you even know who Kion Bars is? No. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been to three games. I don't know who that is at all. I mean, I didn't notice him at all against us. I guess I'll look him up. But yeah. Let's see what he did this year. Um, I mean, he had five sacks. It doesn't look like he had that good of a season. Congrats to him, but I would be lying if I said I knew a damn thing about him. He it. had 14 tackles solo. Hmm. How many tackles for loss did he have? Well, he had the see all. Where's all the stats? It doesn't even show. Um, but he did have five sacks. So he had 14 solo tackles. He had eight tackles for a loss. I congrats, Kion, but a Keon, but I, I good job. I, I mean, yeah. All right, Thomas Booker, <laughs> Mike uh, Mitchell Lagude, uh, DJ Davidson, uh, Darian Butler, Drake Jackson, Nate Landman. I'm a little pissed off about this. Nate Landman played seven games. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but putting a guy that played seven goddamn games over Jahad Woods, I mean, come on, man. Well, um, Jahad Woods didn't even make it? No. They put Nate Landman over him. And yeah. Darian Butler? Yeah, I don't... Wow. Whatever, man. It's a constant thing. It's literally every single year that Jahad Woods has been playing. He's been stoked. Um, Clark Phillips, Caillou Blue Kelly, Q Lake, and uh, Q Knight. Um I just realized how both their names are Q. I, all this season, I didn't once think that they're both Q. That's pretty cool. I guess, yeah. That is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, first uh, specialist. Clark Phillips is a freshman. That's crazy. He's probably yeah. gone after next year, though, so he's not that scary. I don't know if he does leave after next year. We'll see. It'll we'll be his third what... year of being great, so I think. True. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what national buzz he gets, though. I still feel like he hasn't well, had much of remember, that. Like, Utah's going to be seen next year. I think yeah. Utah has completely changed everything with that win the other night. I can see. I definitely could see that. Um, first team all specialist. Dean Janikowski got first team kicker. I, I don't know how. I mean, I guess it's because he like outscored the entire Washington team in the Apple Cup. That was pretty cool. But he also like completely botched like a forty-five yarder in the game. I don't know. I mean, I'm proud of him. It's really nice to get another first team in it. But I mean, <laughs> he yeah, was like no. a third-string kicker last year, <laughs> and now he's first team all that go. I'm proud of him. That's awesome. But <laughs> Kyle Austin Dort uh, from Arizona, literally only first team because he punted seventeen hundred times this year. 
Like, he, he punted more than probably any player in college football history. I think Grace Porter was probably much better, but he got it because, you know, punted a lot more. Um, return specialist, Britton Covey, obviously. An all-purpose guy, Stanley Berryhill. Um, second team specialist, Camden Lewis, Parker Lewis, Grace Porter, Kyle Phillips, and Jack Coletto. So, congratulations to all those guys. Um, we could go over honorable mention, but I, I don't really want to. Um, Washington State had a lot of players on there, though. Jalen Watson, John Woods, Armani Marsh, Brendan Jackson, Jaden Delora, Max Borgie, Dejon Shrivelink, Lincoln Victor for all purpose. So, pretty fun. Yeah. And how about this? We're really in an era where Utah is the champ. We are. We finally arrived. Utah um, had all packed up second team tight end and uh, a guy in their honorable mentions with uh, Don Kincaid. Nice. Washington still got the better tight end room, though, bias. No, they don't. They We really do not. Um, we will next year. You want to preview Pac-12 bowl games? Uh, sure. We got time. Um, I should know them off the top of my head. Um, Oregon State takes on Utah State in the LA Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Um, Utah State went ten and three, won the Pac-12. Um, do you want to pick these games? I don't know. I feel like we might have another episode before, but I mean, I kind of want to. I want our next episode to be. The award show. So I don't know if we'll be back again before that. Uh, do you want to pick these games, or do you just want to leave the picks where they are? And how about we pick them, but they're off the record? Yeah, they don't count towards the record, but we can pick them. Okay. Oregon State and Utah State. Um, Utah State won the Mountain West Conference, which gets them in the LA Bowl. Um, a replacement from the Las Vegas Bowl of years past. Um. Utah State was really good this season in uh, Mike Anderson's first year. I think it's his name, Mike Anderson. That's not right. I know what's his last. What's his first name? I know his last name is. Is it not? Anderson. It's not Mike. It's um. Oh my God! I can't think of his first name. Is it? Is it Blake? Blake. Blake Anderson. Anderson. There you go. Blake Anderson. A fantastic job in his first season in Utah State, turning them from a winless team. Um, to a conference champion, 10-3, and a uh, power five victory over Washington State to open their season. Um, they had a really good season, man. They really did. Um, this is a really good football team. They score a lot of points. They did win one game last year, but who cares? Um, they score a lot of points. They throw the ball well. Um, they had a pretty balanced running back room as well. They had two guys go over 500 yards. Um there's a point in time where they were running two quarterbacks early in the season, but Andrew Peasley ended up losing out on that. Logan Bonner was a guy. He tossed 36 touchdowns. He did have 11 interceptions, but um, he was pretty accurate, 61% completion, um, 8.5 yards per attempt. Um, pretty good year for him. Um, and Devin Tompkins was one of the best receivers in the country. He's like... He's been in college for like six years or something, but he had a really good year. Um, yeah, there's one dude who's going off in there in the conference championship. Brandon Bowling, 
um, 700 yards. Derek White had 700 yards. Justin McGriff had 400. So, I mean, they just had a lot of guys putting up numbers this season. Um, but Oregon State had a really good year. Um, they run the ball very well. They've got explosive, explosive players with Trayshawn. Um, Trayshawn. Um, Trayvon Bradford? Trayvon Bradford and Trayshawn Harrison. Um, there you go. I, I, I mean, I can never get their names right. Um, obviously, B.J. Baylor ran the ball very well. Deshaun Fenwick had a pretty decent season. Um, they've got a pretty good tight end as well. I can't think of his name either. Um, Musgrave. Musgrave. There you go. Grant knows more about Oregon State than I do. It's personal. Um, but, yeah, they had, I mean, they had a good year. But uh, they 100% should have won the North. I mean, if you, if you look back on their schedule, they were literally a win versus two of the worst teams in the conference away from winning the state and uh, going 9-3. and three, But no. So now they're allotted the L.A. Bowl versus Utah State. Uh, Utah State's probably the better team here. Um, but... I I don't want to pick Oregon State, man. I I was I was talking to you about this earlier, but like next year is going to be wide open for the Pac-12 North, and I think that Oregon State probably has the best chance out of anyone right now. But there's no way in hell I'm picking Oregon State to win the Pac-12 North. I can't do it. I just I mean I can't. I cannot do it. So I guess to follow that, they are. Um, But I guess to follow the idea that I just I can't pick them. I'm picking Utah State to win. They got to go to Husky Stadium though. We gonna beat them there. They barely beat us with Jimmy Lake at their place. So I'm gonna pick Utah State, forty-one to thirty-seven. This will be a fun game though. I'm excited to watch, but I hope Oregon State loses. I'm going with the Beavs. Um, and in honor of the Beavs' most recent known bowl appearance, I will pick the Beavs to win 3-0. to zero. Nice. There you go. Uh, Alamo Bowl, Oregon and uh, Oklahoma. Uh, two teams that are just <laughs> here falling apart, man. Uh, they are in very similar situations. Dave Thibodeau isn't playing in this game. Nick Benito isn't playing in this game. Um, so I, I, I'm going to pick Oklahoma, like like 38 to 12 or something. I don't know. Caleb Williams is really good. Oregon isn't going to have an answer for him, I don't think. Well, they'll have their own true freshman quarterback, I think. I don't see a point in starting Anthony Brown uh, other than respecting him as a senior uh, because – but I would just do the Sam Heward with Ty Thompson. Just throw him in there um, because why not? What's the point? I would throw Ty in and let him play. And I think that's exactly what they'll do. And you know what? I think Oregon's going to win. I guess. I don't know. Jackson, you still get, you still hear me? 
Okay, I guess not. Jackson. Damn it. This shit's still recording. All right, yeah. So, guys, I've got Oregon winning 37-36. to 36. Uh, UCLA, NC State. Uh, they're playing at Petco Park. Yeah, I got UCLA winning that game. I don't know enough about NC State to pick them. You, anyway, as you were saying, Anthony Brown wouldn't start or shouldn't start down there. Right, yeah, I would start Ty Thompson. Um, I think he's a lot, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's any better than Anthony Brown, like Oregon fans think he is. Uh, I actually think he'll be significantly worse as Sam Heward was significantly worse than Dylan Morris. Um, at least control wise and knowing how to run an offense because he's a true freshman. Right. Uh, even, even great true freshmen like Jaden Delora, had his troubles finding ways to win games in his real 2020 and 2020 didn't get much of a chance. Um, he just got to play the beeves, beat them, and then got those last three games that just didn't go well. But it went, it went much better uh, after a year in the system. And I think the same thing will happen for Ty Thompson and Sam Heward. But yeah, I think they're going to start Ty. And I guess I'll pick Oregon to win because why not? I don't like Oklahoma. Um, Oregon, 17, Oklahoma, 13. Yeah, I just don't care about this game. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, uh, is Caleb Williams even going to play the game? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, we'll I don't know. Um, UCLA, NC State? Holiday? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Holiday Bowl. Uh, Joel Clatton, Gus Johnson on the call. That'll be fun. Um, I'm a big UCLA in this game. I mean, outside of the Clemson game, I really didn't watch much NC State. I know they had that crazy comeback against North Carolina. Um, they have a pretty good quarterback with the Leary dude. Um, but I don't know much about them. But they're not going to fight. Um, their head coach is uh, Dave Thorne. Um, but I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna roll I'm definitely gonna roll on the side of UCLA. Same. Um, Devin Leary had a really good if season. If you couldn't tell, I'm gonna pick all the Pac-12 teams. Um, I will, except for like the last two. <laughs> I'm picking Utah. Yeah, so why? For sure. Oh, I'm I saying like the last two, as in like the first two we picked. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, um, I've got UCLA winning. 37 or no um 57 to 56 DTR goes for the prime DTR stat line 605 yards seven touchdowns six interceptions <laughs> five fumbles <laughs> DTR DTR will be responsible for all 56 of NC State's points and all 57 of UCLA's <laughs> it will be the greatest DTR game of all time
And he this will go out in a blaze of glory with a 95-yard game-winning rushing touchdown. Oh, my God. That's so good. Uh, I, I think this will be a really good game. I think this will be one of the better games of all season. Uh, two, two, two good quarterbacks against each other. Um, Chip Kelly, Oregon fans have talked about him going to Oregon. I don't, I don't think so. I don't know though. Um, he went today then before. Interesting. UCLA is in their first bowl game under Chip Kelly. I think that's like something to note. Um, but I'm gonna go UCLA. 48 to 45. I think this will be a really good game. I think it will be high scoring. Um, Devin Leary threw for 35 touchdowns this year. I didn't think I didn't know it was that good. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think this will be a prime DTR game. I think it will rush for like 600 yards, a couple fumbles, a couple touchdowns, a couple picks, no touchdowns. Zach Sherman will do the rest. Um, and they win. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Utah and uh, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I'm picking Utah because it's, I mean, screw Ohio State. But uh, For real. I love their wide receivers. I, I love watching their wide receivers so much. They're so good. Uh, they've got a quarterback that's a Heisman finalist that gets them to them all. He shouldn't be a Heisman finalist, by the way. But he does do a good job getting it to them. And uh, not a good season. I go front. But. I do think it's a little ridiculous that Kenneth Walker is in the Heisman finalist after, you know, being the favorite for the Heisman for like nine weeks. Um, I don't think that's fair. But, um, yeah, man. They had a really good freshman running back, Travian Henderson. He had a really good year. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba was their leading receiver, and he came in expected to be wide receiver three. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, because he's the one getting the one-on-ones. And how do you guard him one-on-one? Yeah. I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. But Gary Wilson's the best wide receiver on this team. Let's not forget. God, I love Gary Wilson. Um, Yeah, Ohio State's a better team than Utah, but Utah is hot right now. This game means a lot to Utah. I mean, how awesome would it be in Kyle Whittingham's 800th season to finally bring the first Rose Bowl to Utah. I think he does it. I'll go. Uh, I would love to say high scoring, but I don't know if Utah's going to be able to score. With, I know Utah's not going to be able to score with Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's going to score at will on Utah. So I'll, I'll go like 31 to 25 Utes. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go. Um, hmm. Twenty-five, twenty-six, Utah. Um, there will be multiple safeties in this game. Nice. Um, Cameron Rising will score the game-winning touchdown about the same way Vince Young did, except with a hurdle and two broken tackles. Nice. Uh, but there will be no time left. When he does it, and then, and that'll t- and that'll um, make it a one point game, and Utah will fake the extra point to win the game. Um, send Kyle Whittingham his first Rose Bowl. Dude, how crazy would it be? Like, I hope that would be insane. That would be yeah, insane. fake extra point. That would be Utah. Or excuse me, Ohio State still in shock that they just gave up that 
Heisman level touchdown run. They, they come out moseying around on the extra point and they came up a two point fake. <laughs> Genius. Oh uh, Arizona like... State plays Wisconsin. I hate that game. Oh crap, I forgot about that. Yeah, that game's gonna suck. Oh, I've it's... got ASU two to zero. I got ASU six to two. I forgot that this game existed, honestly. I I mean Damn. I really forgot about this game. Are you gonna watch this game? No. Is it Well maybe because it's um it's at a it's at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I enjoy cool watching stadium. games at Allegiant Stadium. Me too. What what day is that game? December thirtieth. So they okay, I guess I'll watch. Pro- maybe. Probably. Yeah. I'll There's watch. gonna be other good games on. Oh, but that's a late one. That one's at eight thirty my watch. time. Oh, so it's like later. Yeah, my time. yeah, it's yeah like I guess I'll watch. I mean, I it's not going to be a good game. Yeah, might be. I mean, they're two really good running backs. Yeah. And uh, running games in general. Uh, they none of those. Neither team has a wide receiver that can catch a football. Ricky Pearsall is the overall leading receiver in the game for both teams with 515 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. That game's pretty sad. Two really good quarterbacks are supposed to be a lot better than they are. Yeah. You guys play Miami. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, We're going to win. Um, I'm I'm afraid that I'm gonna have to answer questions about who's gonna coach this game for Miami on my page. Um, I hate that. Well, who is gonna coach for Miami in this game? It'll be an interim, but I just know people are gonna be like, "Is Mario coaching?" No, uh-uh. he's not. He's not. He's not coaching. Yeah, I don't think so. No, he, he is not. He, I mean, the the Texas Tech coach was able to coach. I don't think Mario will, though. It makes no sense for him to. No, the Texas Tech he was he was an associate head coach. Yeah, yeah. Don't make any sense for a free agent coach to try to get the current team together. Like, no, he's gonna build his own era going forward in the off season. He needs an off season. It doesn't make any sense for him to just hop on and coach Miami. But, yeah, I'm sure you'll get asked. Uh, in terms of who I think is going to win this game, uh, both quarterbacks are actually pretty good. Mario said Tyler Van Dyke is the best quarterback in the country. Um, he deadass said that in his press conference. I, I like Tyler Van Dyke. That's such TV a Mario Cristobal thing to say. He's going to build a, uh, an SEC program with Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke isn't bad, but he's going to get the start. Um, he's got an 80 QBR. That's 11th in the country. Um, 25 touchdowns, six picks. Uh, he didn't start the season. Though. Obviously, Derek King did. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke has kind of led Miami, though, to winning four or five to finish the season. Miami's not a bad team. They're not bad looking, but the Diaz, losing Diaz and uh, – Jake Dickert, Mickey Mouse, 
schedule continues as he runs into another interim head coach for a program that's in transition period. Um, first, he runs into Jed Fish, which basically might as well be an interim for a team in a transition period. <laughs> and then he runs into Bob Gregory. Um, and now he's going to probably run into, like, I don't know, Ed Reed or something. Uh, I don't know. And... Miami is favored to win this game. I have no idea how. Yeah. Uh, maybe they will win this game. Who knows? Uh, I sure don't think so. I don't think they're winning with Tony the Tiger's Sun Bowl. Um, no. um, which is the bowl of the Washington State Cougars, it seems. For sure. Versus the Miami Hurricanes, because we beat them in 2015. Yeah. Ooh, so this is a revenge game for Miami. They remember. No, they fucking don't. Yeah, they probably most of their nobody on that Miami team is familiar with that game. Yeah, not not that they didn't play it. They don't even know that it they, happened. Yeah, no. Uh, they don't listen to enough That's Facts podcast to know history. Do you want to do a little no. history thing again today, or do you want to just end it after the bonus? Um, no, we can't. Uh, big game boomer really helped my page, by the way. Oh, and really? Me on. Yeah, I got like eight, like ten followers since he posted that. Man, he's so. got to post me. I know, right? Anyway. Yo, he's got to post the That's Facts podcast for the best best podcast by conference. Do you know how mad I would be if you put no truck stop? I will kill myself, David. <laughs> I will literally die. Like I will, I will just. First, I will. I'd send the pack chat and the organ chat to raid big game. <laughs> I would be so crushed if they put no truck stops. <laughs> oh my god, man! But no truck stops says something that we can't. They were at the championship game. Yeah, shut up. And one of our employees saw. <laughs> So I guess we technically were. Our editor was at the game. Our unpaid intern was there. Oh my god. Quick history tidbit. Um, let's see if I can pull it up again. Uh, Drew Bledsoe threw for 476 yards on Utah in the Copper Pole game that we mentioned that one time. Nice. Yep, 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 yep. Um, say 476? Yeah. Ooh. A lot of yards. It's, uh, it's like an Anthony Gordon type game, this motherfucker. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot of yards. I'm trying to find like the most passing yards in a seat in not in a season in a um, game by wa- a Washington QB. I bet it's just a random Jake Browning game from 2016 or something. That would make sense. Um, no, Cody Pickett in 2001. Threw for 455 against Arizona. Uh, Keith Price in the 2011 Alamo Bowl 
threw for 438, and we put up 56 points in the losing effort. Yeah. Um, RG3 put up like 67 in that game. Yeah. Could not stop RG3. Um, it's gonna be Dylan TTR Morris against Colorado ball. threw for the 10th most passing yards in Washington history with 300 or 387. That's not a lot of yards for most in history, but we've just never been a passing team. We've just built on a tradition of running the ball. For better or for worse. Oftentimes for better when we're good at it. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Lake's tradition of running the ball was pretty pathetic, though, so I see where you're coming from. Um, Jane Orvell took the Colorado State job. It's not relevant to the Pac-12, but what a stupid decision. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm not going to blame the guy, right? Like, what offers did he have do, other than that? Well, I don't know. I know he, that he got attention from Washington State, um, but I knew that he was – I mean, he's definitely a power five level head coach. Yeah. But, hey, what if, he, what if he makes it work at CSU? I mean, I don't know. That just feels like such a lateral move. It does. It actually feels like a backwards move. Yeah, like if it were someone like, I said this earlier, if it was someone like Chris Creighton or some shit, that you went to like Colorado State, like I guess. Like who cares about the Eastern Michigan coach going to Colorado State? But for Jay Norvell, like, I don't know. Like I feel like he could have gone somewhere better than, 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 Colorado State. I don't know. I just CSU has to feel pretty good about it. They have to feel great about it. That's a home run hire. Yeah. I just I, they. I don't know. Yeah, don't we'll know, see what he man. does. I mean, I think he'll do good because he's a good head coach. I don't know, man. Um, Utah has become really good in the Pac-12. Very, very, very good. Very, very, very good. Well, let's go back to the beginning of their reign in the Pac-12. Started in 2011, right? Yes. Their first ever Pac-12 game that was given to them by our conference at USC. That's not really fair. That's very mean. Uh, USC ended up winning that game only by nine. So Utah kind of showed, hey, we can hang. Speaking um, of nine. Then the first of many beatdowns of BYU because they beat them 54 to 10. Damn. Uh, this was a good Utah. This was a pretty good Utah team. Um, Ooh, they lost a couple of Pac-12 games after that, though. They did. So they ended pretty up- handily. Yeah, Washington beat them. That was a decent Washington team. Uh, Washington in 2011, it was year three under Stark, so stuff was starting to get together. But you ended up with they ended up with seven wins. That was the team that actually got beat down by RG3. And, you know, for that Washington team, they just couldn't defend. Yeah. Uh, they well, gave up clearly. 65 to Stanford. Damn. Uh, they gave up. 67 to Baylor. They just couldn't guard Man. other teams. And Oregon's defense in 2011, which was really frustrating, shut down Washington's really good offense. Yeah. So, 
that was yeah, that was frustrating. Um, but back to Utah, they beat Pitt, but and lost to Cal, and then they go on a really nice winning streak, including wins over UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, and Arizona. Um, those don't all. I mean, three of those sound like they were not the best. I don't think they were. Any of those were the were great in twenty eleven. UCLA um, wasn't bad though. I don't think. Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't they seem bad. They beat them thirty-one to six. Let's see, they were six and eight. How the fuck did they play fourteen games? Wait, wait. Was this the year that everyone in the Pac-12 South went like two and ten? I think it was. USC went seven and two in the Pac-12. So how did they play? 14K. And but but no, UCLA did get to play the Pac-12. Did That's oh right. USC got caught cheating that year. That's right. The, yeah, this is the year that everyone was a Pac-12. What the hell? They got the no, you see USC got a postseason ban after Pete Carroll's units were caught cheating. So Lane Kiffin's USC team, which was 10 and 2 and really good. Didn't get to play in the Pac-12 championship. They were decoordinated by Ed Ogeron and head coached by Lane Kiffin. How oh, how that. far we've come! Um, <laughs> UCLA lost to USC fifty to nothing and got to play in the Pac-12 championship the next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably why USC was mad enough to beat them down by that much. Oh my god! And they they gave Oregon a little something in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. Okay, so now Oregon, this is their second Pac-12 championship that just does not count, man. This UCLA team ended up with two head coaches. Rick Neuheisel coached the 6-6 six and six regular season, and Mike Johnson ended up the Pac-12 championship in their game against Illinois. So they were, what were they? They were like, there were 6-5 and five going into this USC game, and then lost out. Yeah. 50 to nothing to you. You know, I mean, man, that's crazy. Well, I can, I, I bet USC knew UCLA was going to that game uh, because of UCLA's um, record being better than Utah's already. Right. Um, so USC probably said, let's go beat these guys down and show we really should be there. Man, we might have been robbed from Lane Kiffin. We got robbed of a Lane Kiffin. In his prime versus Chip Kelly in his prime Pac-12 championship game. How about that? So that UCLA could go there because of a postseason ban. The next that year. Is embarrassing for the Pac-12. The next year for uh, Utah was not very good. They went 5-7 and seven and they lost four straight. It's like mm. kind of towards the beginning of their season at Arizona State. Um, against USC again, they only lost about ten to USC. They only lost they by touchdown to UCLA, them, and then at Oregon State, they lost by fourteen. Um, good Beavs team. Yeah, they were number eight at the time. <laughs> that good be that good Beavs team though, uh, got to number seven, and they lost to the Huskies in the Seahawks Stadium the next week. Nice. Um, that was Washington State one game. So. This was Washington State's last Apple Cup uh, before this year. How about that? Um, Washington was on a four-game winning streak and was number 25 in the country. 
uh, going into that Apple Cup. That was a good Apple Cup win. That was mu- a much better Apple Cup win than this year. Yeah. This year's Washington team was horrible, like horrendous. Utah beat Washington State that year 49-6. to That year? That Utah team? Yeah. But that is just such a baffling loss for Washington, that 2012 Apple Cup. Such a baffling end of the season. Because Utah, Utah's a 5-7 and seven team, by the way. They were not out of bowl contention until they lost to y'all in Arizona in back-to-back weeks. Hey, Arizona and Washington in back-to-back weeks, where have we seen that? <laughs> they won at Colorado by touchdown. Uh, all right, let's go to the next year when uh, things don't Didn't really get much better. Out. No, five and seven again, and they another big mean win, mean losing streak. They beat number five Stanford and started the season four and two, but and they hung around with number twelve UCLA, but then and they losses. should have beat Oregon State in overtime, but they failed. So losses at Arizona at USC. 19 to 3 against USC. That is ugly. Then a one point loss at number 20, at home against number 23 Arizona State. Uh, and then they get beat pretty handily at 6 Oregon. And then at uh, Washington State, they lose by 12. So just not a good game here for. All they had to do was win one of these games, bro. That one point loss against Arizona State. Painful. So this year's Pac 12 championship was played between. ASU and Stanford, and Stanford beat the dog out of ASU. And that's unfortunate for ASU, because ASU was on a seven-game winning streak going into the Pac-12 title game. This was basically as if the this year's Oregon team just whooped um, Utah, the hot team from the South. That wasn't as supposedly as good. But it goes the opposite way this time. Good ASU team. Could you imagine if, like, this type of, like, back-to-back seasons happened in, like, this era? Kyle Winningham wouldn't be Utah's head coach. No. It's crazy to think about. Then the next year, they go 9-4. Uh, they won in their bowl game by a lot against Colorado State. Uh, that they started the season. did save his job. Yeah, they started the season three and zero, and then lost to Washington State by one and zero. Nice, and they won at number eight UCLA by two, and won at Oregon State by six, and they beat number. They got ranked at that point. They were number twenty after that win at UCLA, and they beat Oregon State and number twenty USC, and they were number eighteen, and they went at number fifteen Arizona State and lost nineteen to sixteen. They played a uh, lot of overtimes. Yeah. Two double OT win or two double OT wins and an OT loss. Jeez. They finished the season ranked 21. Yeah, they were ranked number 20 and they played at number 5 Oregon and lost by a lot. But they stayed ranked 25 played at Stanford one by 3. Home against number 15 Arizona got beat by 32 points. Oh my god. Let's remember how good that Arizona team was. So this it was a complete one-off, but a new Solomon and the Arizona Wildcats, led by Scooby Wright defensively. Is that a name you remember? Yeah, it is absolutely a name I remember. Scooby Wright was a Heisman finalist. 
That's right. <laughs> I forget that sometimes. And Kadeem Carey was like top ten if I remember correctly. Yeah, I thought he. Sh- I thought Kadeem Carey was very underrated. Yeah, fantastic player. But then Utah beats uh, Colorado by four day of the season, and they get back ranked. So, Kadeem Carey ran for. Um, no, Kadeem Carey was not even on Arizona that year anymore. Oh. So I guess it was 2013 that he stopped in? Yeah. Kadeem Carey. Man, imagine if Kadeem Carey stayed in school one more year and played for that really good Arizona team. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Carey was just. Kadeem Carey was one of the first. Here in Tucson. Kadeem Carey was one of the first, like, obscure Pac 12 players that I really remember. Yeah. And there are a lot of those. Yeah. Players that only a Pac-12 fan would know. Yeah. Um, like. Kadeem Carey, a yeah, new Solomon, I think, is another one. Um, yeah, he's almost he's almost not good enough to count. Like, you got to be at least like Kalen Balaj level to be one of them. Yeah, maybe like. Who else? Um, I this think is a Thomas good topic. Booker is going to go down as one. Yeah, I think. Uh, Vince Melee, wide receiver of Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, someone that no one outside of the Pac-12 regions would know. Um, what about Joe Williams at Utah? Yep, there you go. That's a good one. Utah, Utah kind of has a lot of those. Like um, Zach Moss? He's kind of known Moss, now, he's though. Now, but... Um, but he and running backs in that era. Booker, he ended up playing the NFL with the Broncos. I think he's still in the league now. Yeah, um, I think like the Giants. Um, yeah. Pac-12 has a lot of those players. Yeah. Um, I tried to think of one for the Beavs, but I don't think they have any. What about Deontay Burnett for USC? True, true. Jack Leto, it will be one of those players. Yeah, Jack Leto definitely be one. Um, who's one for uh, Arizona? Chico McClatcher. <laughs> yeah, Chico McClatcher for sure. That's a really good one. Um, who's one for Oregon? I feel like a lot of people know Oregon players. Yeah, everyone knows Oregon players. Um, I think we could find Jalen Red. Jalen Red will definitely be one. Maybe, but he just wasn't good it. enough this year to keep his keep his um stock that high. Sadly, I think Travis Dye might be one eventually. I think no, he was too good nationally. He was too known. But when people look back on the season for Oregon, they're gonna remember that 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 Ohio State win. And who was the player that was like really the guy that Ohio State win? It was CJ for them. Yeah, but I still feel like Travis Dye is a very widely known player. Maybe it's just because I talk to a lot of Oregon fans, but maybe. But no, nationally, I should. Byron Cardwell might be one of those guys right in his career. Right now, yeah, but when he breaks out, sadly, he will be out of the shell. Dude, we gotta take a one. We gotta take a one for Oregon, Uh, Cal. Fucking Evan Weaver, probably. Like, Evan Weaver is one, yeah. Because, I mean, where is he now? I don't right, know. But no he was certainly amazing in the Pac-12. Um, um shit. We got to take a look. 
Tony Brooks James maybe for Oregon? That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Um, Braylon Adams. No, no, no. Who was their quarterback in 2015? He's one. That was Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams. That's one for Oregon. Yeah. That's a really good one, Vernon Adams. Um, um, let's see here. Who else? What are the Pac-12 teams? Are they? Colorado. Um, Philip Lindsay became too good in the NFL for a yeah. little bit. Sadly. Well, she, the quarterback. Sefo? Uh, yeah, Sefo Lufa. Yeah, yeah, he's a good one. Um, Stephen Monte. <laughs> Stephen Monte. <laughs> oh, man. Good Gabe, uh, Gabe Marks is definitely another one from Washington State. River Craycraft. Yeah. River uh, Craycraft certainly is one. Uh, of course, that's Cason the guy that Cason Williams at Washington. Yeah. Oh, he was one. Um, Cody Kessler has 61 rushes for USC in 2014 or 2015. He had negative 149. <laughs> Man. He took a lot of sacks. My he, God, he certainly, he certainly did. Um, you know, we gotta find more because this is entertaining. Uh, Arizona State. So what I get to do? Uh, we already came up with one for them. Who? Kalen Balage. Oh yeah, Mike for Oregon maybe. Oregon State. That isn't current. I don't really know a lot of the former players. Jamar Jefferson will probably go down as one. Yeah. But that was too recent. Everybody still remembers him. Um, geez, who was good at on Oregon State? I, all, Dude, all I remember I, – I literally don't remember even hearing the names of players on Oregon State. I just remember beating them down every year. Yeah, I will tell you, P.J. Baylor is definitely going to be one, I think. Yeah, yeah, he will. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyone, man. The Gary Anderson era was just too bad to even have anyone remotely. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Nall. I don't know. Ryan. <laughs> I just. I mean, I don't know. There's just no like relevant players at all. No, man. I mean, Thomas Tyner. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go way back, Derek Anderson, if you know who that is. No, I mean, I don't know, man. I... He was a QB in like the early 2010s. Brandon Bradley, Cooks. Maybe? Brandon Cooks is a good one, but I just feel like he's too good of an NFL player, man. Yeah, I guess. Trevon Bradford, maybe. Yeah. Brandon Cooks is kind of the opposite of what we're doing. He's known in the NFL, but nobody remembers him for being on Oregon State. Yeah. Um, Damn, Jabbar Jefferson had a really good 2018 year, too. I don't even remember that. Sean Mannion. That's a good one. Sean Mannion is a good one. But I also feel like when people think of Sean Mannion, they immediately think of Oregon State, though. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's, he's the anti too good in college. Right. Yeah, I feel that. Um... Isaac Sayumalu is randomly a five-star that went to Oregon State, like, straight out of high school. Dude, Isaiah Hodgins. That's, there you that's go. That's it. I don't know why I didn't think of him. Isaiah Hodgins is literally, like, made for this. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Isaiah Hodgins is the one. He is the one. 
I honestly one. forgot he existed. Yeah, so did I. I did not. I, I, there you go. Did we say one for Stanford? We said Thomas Booker, but he's kind of that. Um, Bryce Love, easy. Yeah. Um, but he was also a Heisman candidate, so like. Oh yeah, true. If uh, Shane get... Scove. <laughs> Benjamin Urosic is gonna be one. I'll tell yeah. you, that. Benjamin Urosic is a good. You remember player. Shane Scove? No, I don't. I'll be honest, I do not. He is the perfect example of one of these. Let's see if we can find one from like Cole Irvin for Stanford. Do you remember him? White yes, receiver number Cole two. Irvin. Cole Irvin is yeah. one. Um. Uh, do we say one for Cal? Or is that Evan Weaver? Yeah, right, that counts. We say one for UCLA. No. Um. I feel like Dorian Thompson or Robinson is going to be remembered as way too good in college. Like, yeah. I feel like when people talk about DDR, they're going to think of him as like a player that was a Heisman candidate throughout his career. Like, no. Like, he's going to be like, he's the anti pick for this. Uh... Paul Perkins was amazing at UCLA. And, but I, I feel like people know that. I mean, maybe Theo Howard before he transferred. Yeah, I guess. But he but transferred, like, so Yeah, I want to find a career. UCLA is a, t- a tough one. UCLA is a tough one. I mean, Miles Shad, maybe. Awful? Not for real. Uh, QB. He was the QB when Rosen got hurt. Yeah. Um, he was pathetic. Paul he Perkins was... is a good one. I don't I'd know. say Paul I Perkins mean... is pretty good. He he was a little something in the NFL, though. Like, you could like tell Miles... he existed. Yeah, I feel like Miles Jack could be one because his yeah. NFL career kind of, like, phased out really quickly. Uh, Darren yeah. Andrews was one that was pretty good there. He had a 700-yard, 10-touchdown season, which is enough to get all Pac-12. Who was Jordan Payton? Team. Oh, my God. Jordan Payton had a 1,000-yard Oh, that reminds me of a there – was, there was a good UCLA receiver with the first name Jordan. Jordan Lasley. Mm, yeah. Jordan Lasley's really good. <laughs> Jordan Lasley. I forgot about him. I have oh no idea God. what we're doing anymore. No, but this is like the best part of the episode. I don't know if any of this will make it though, because the episode will be way too long. Yeah, I'm ready to hop off. Yeah, this will be another like B side episode. That was really fun though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a good episode. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all y'all. We love y'all. Um, we'll be back soon. The award show for the Last Facts Podcast. <laughs> um, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, peace. Peace.